630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Osman Auction. And now, the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Coyle couldn't find it. Brandlin does, hugging the right half boards. Now Nurse and Russell out there shooting and scoring. What a shot by Mikhail Grandlin. He found a sliver of space and buried it. Well, there's the goal that sinks the Edmonton Oilers tonight. A power play goal by the Minnesota Wild with 5.48 left in the third period. The Wild take it 4-3. The Oilers' three-game winning streak comes to an end. They are now 6-4-1 on the season. The Wild improved to 7-3-2. Special teams, a huge story tonight. The Wild go 3-for-3 three three on the power play. The Oilers' power play goes 0-for-5. And that spells doom for Edmonton this evening. Hey, thanks a lot for tuning in. It's 9.58. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. We're live in Studio 99. Oilers Hockey presented by Osmond Auction. You're listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. We'll have post-game reaction from both dressing rooms. We'll take your phone calls at 780-496-0063. Your text at 630-630. Rob, we got to dive right in here with the, with the special team story tonight. That just dominates everything. Let's start from the perspective of how the Wild got their goals, all three of their four goals on the power play tonight, and they were 100% with the man advantage. Well, the one thing that the Wild were really focused on is getting bodies in front of the net and just taking wrist shots from the point. We saw Suter do it three or four times, Stahl deflected one in, but every time the puck went back to the blue line, the forwards knew to get right in front, and they just kept firing time and time again, looking for the deflection, looking for a chance that way. And they found success. And then the, the game-winning goal, uh, the Grandland goal on the power play, that is just pure beauty. I mean, uh, most players aren't even going to think about shooting from there. He had, it was a horrible angle. He had about the size of a puck of area to shoot into, and he found a way to get it in. So uh, that Grandland, as Bob and Jack alluded to, is, is becoming a star in this league. And that was a huge goal by him. So the Oilers penalty killing, not good enough tonight, obviously. And that's why they fell and fell, lost two points to the Minnesota Wild. The power play 0 for 5. They're up 2-1 early in the second period. They go on the man advantage shortly after McDavid's spectacular goal. Then Minnesota actually took another penalty late in that man advantage. So the Oilers had a two-man advantage for 25 seconds and then obviously kept going on the power play. Uh, they had a man advantage in the third period early. The fourth line able to draw a penalty. Chances were there to take the lead or extend the lead. How come they couldn't do it? Well, I think you got to give some credit to the Wild. I thought uh, they did a very good job of killing. Uh, they got pucks or sticks in lanes. They got bodies in front. Uh, uh, in the shooting lanes, not allowing easy access. Uh, they, they forced very well. Uh, they've got a good penalty killing unit, and, but I think the biggest reason is their goaltending. Anytime the Oilers did get a good scoring chance, you know, Stalek, Stalek made the big save. And there was a couple great golden opportunities. I mean, I mean Milan Lucic had two or three uh, right in front of the net, wide open nets. He missed. They went. They had puck sliding through the, the crease. They had a puck go off the crossbar. And puck luck is a is a real thing, and tonight the Oilers had no puck luck early, and the Wild found a little puck luck, 
And at the end of the night, you know, the Oilers, to me, could have won this game in the first period. They had so many chances. They didn't take advantage of that. The final 40 minutes were fairly close. Minnesota got better as the game went on, and that was something you didn't expect since they played last night. But because the game was tied, the third goal that tied the game going into the second or going into the third period, that gave them life. If you're trailing and you're tired, your legs feel heavy. If you're tied going into the third, all of a sudden you're not as fatigued. And the, the Minnesota Wild's best period was the third period tonight. So 4-3, the Wild beat the Oilers at Rogers Place. Some changes to the lines for the Oilers in the third period as we look at our adjustment of the game for the Alberta College and Association of Chiropractors. If it hurts, see a chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com. You had Yamamoto moved off the McDavid line to go with Strom and Lucic in Kajula got the ice time with McDavid and Nugent Hopkins in the third period. Well, Tom McCollum's looking for a little bit of a spark. You know, there's so many good things that Yamamoto was doing on the first line, but the one thing he wasn't doing was scoring. And the Oilers needed offense in the third period. So Kajula, as of late, has played very well. He's creating through his uh, tenacity. He's creating through his energy, and they're hoping that maybe that would spark the first line. And maybe with Yamamoto, that gives two players that could help Lucic find the back of the net with Yamamoto and Strom. And I, again, I, Strom, I thought Strom had another uh, good game offensively. He, he's, in the last few games, he's made a number of great plays that have set especially Milan up with wide open opportunities. They haven't been capitalized on. The Oilers just missed too many golden opportunities tonight. Going with bad penalty killing does not spell success. 4-3, the Minnesota Wild win it. They have been tied after two periods, five times this season, they are 5-0. and The Oilers were 3-0 when tied after, first peri- after second periods. So their first loss when it comes to that tonight. And uh, they will take on the Chicago Blackhawks coming up on Thursday here at Rogers Place. And, of course, we'll have it for you again right here on 630 Chet. All right. We'll go to your phone calls here, 780-496-0063. We have Robbie leading off tonight. Hey, Robbie, thanks a lot for calling. Hey, how's it going? Good. Good. I got uh, three quick points to make or comments, and then uh, let you guys talk. First, I don't know how um, you can have such an ineffective power play with the talent they have on the ice. It just doesn't make any sense. I don't know what they won in 13 the past uh, three games. Uh, two, um, I don't know. I don't know what the guys got to do to get unsafe bitten. Like you know, like you said, Strom is playing great, but just can't finish. Neither can. Uh, Yamamoto or uh, uh, Lucic, you know, they just no finish. I don't know how players can turn that around. And three, uh, untimely penalties. That is an Oiler thing, it seems like, to get a penalty in the last, you know, six to eight minutes or whatever. And, and I just feel like they need to start benching these guys for, for taking these untimely penalties because look what happened. Thanks, guys. Yeah, well, that's a good question about the penalties, and we talked about that on the weekend, too, in in Nashville. Now, they won the game. They're, I think, 0 for 2 on the power play, but they were both short power plays because the Oilers took penalties while they were on the man advantage. And then tonight, you're in a tie penalty, or you're in a tie game, 3-3, less than six minutes to go, and uh, Kajula gets the penalty on, on the back check for interference against Niederreiter. Well, I think dumb penalties, there should be consequences. And I think that what we've seen with Todd McClellan, he usually has a, a leash that he allows players to, to play with. 
and take a penalty and then, okay, it's a little shorter leash now. We, we've seen what you've done. We've talked about it. We've shown you the video. Let's not do it again. And then the shorter leash comes. Eventually, he'll bench guys. If a guy's back-checking, I don't find that to be a dumb penalty. He's going back. He's trying to make sure that that guy doesn't score a goal. That guy stops. He goes, runs into him. That's not a bad penalty to take. It's unfortunate. Um, but it wasn't a bad play. There's probably a play that had happened earlier in the shift with someone turning the puck over that had created this odd man rush for Kajula to have to come back. But the, the silly penalties, those should be punished. Those should be, those players should be held accountable tonight. I didn't notice those as much, but we have seen those in the past that have come back and haunted the Oilers. Penalties where you take in the offensive zone where you slash someone or you hook someone through the middle or you, you interfere for no reason at all other than just laziness. Those penalties should be held accountable. Robbie was asking about some of the players who are, are a little snake bit when it comes to goal scoring. McDavid now has nine goals in 11 games. Drysaddle's up to seven in 11. And Chase on four goals in six games. And uh, Nugent Hopkins, three goals, 12 points in now 11 games. So he mentioned Strom, who you know has has been around the net and mm -hmm. has had some opportunities for assists. Lucic has had some great eight chances. He hasn't scored since the first five minutes of the season. Uh, I mean, Reader is still sitting there with uh, zero goals as well. Kara, who I know is more of a depth player, but you saw him score a little bit last season. So his question was, how how do you how do you get through it? Uh, what what do you do to to put yourself on the sheet? Well, I, I think first you take a, a good hard look in the mirror and see if you're doing everything that you should be doing. Uh, Chason, the, the, move, the, the goals he's scoring are all around the blue paint. So if you want to score goals, hang out there. There's, on the Oilers, they have, what, two, three players maybe that can score from outside 15 feet up front. I mean, if you're going to score goals in the National Hockey League, get within five feet of the net. If there's pucks coming in from the point, do what Chasson does. Stand in front of the goalie. Don't stand beside him. Don't stand beside the net. Don't get on the outside of the defenseman. Get right in front. Those are where you get goals. It might hit you in the foot. It might hit you in the butt. It might hit you in the stick like it did tonight. Uh, and then when you get into practice, I know that Paul Coffey was the guy that talked to me when I was a young kid. He said every time you shoot the puck, shoot to score in practice. It doesn't matter if it's an open net. It doesn't matter if it's the warm-up drill for the goalie. Whatever you do, always shoot to score because then muscle memory takes over in a game. So there's things to make sure you're doing all the things right in practice that allows you when you get the opportunity because you don't usually get a lot of opportunities. So when you get it, you got to take full advantage of it. The power play, I mean, he asked about the power play as well. Um, I mean, they've, they've had some good power plays where they haven't scored. I, I, I thought there were a couple tonight, six on five right at the end of the game with about 25 seconds left. I actually think it was Dumbo that blocked that, that chance by mm -hmm. Lucic. Now, look, the, the power play is going to be a discussion point because it was last, last season and, and, and was hugely disappointing. And we kind of saw a lot of slow pace to it, not a lot of shots, not a lot of scrambles. Do you see the same sort of issues creeping into it this year, or was this maybe an isolated night where they, they just couldn't get one? I think tonight was more on what Minnesota did and less on what Edmonton did. If you look at their power play, the first thing, they every time the puck gets dumped down, they bring it in, the Oilers have no problem getting the offensive zone. So your first um, step is taken care of. Connor McDavid bringing the puck in, it's easy access. No team has shown away. They're able to stop him from getting in. Uh, they had a number of good chances tonight, not as many as we've seen in the past, but the power play was 25% on the season coming in. That's very good. 
So they had been doing things right so far this year, and then they missed some golden opportunities tonight. They missed some really good chances, and those are the nights, some nights they go in for you. Some nights you score, you get one chance on five power plays, you score a goal. Other nights like tonight, you have six, seven, eight golden opportunities that they don't go in the net. So I, I don't... I don't think their power play is an issue tonight. Their penalty killing was the issue tonight. Well, and, and now it's becoming a bit of an issue for the season. It's down to 69.4% for the season. That's not good. Now, N Nashville got a couple. Well, you know what? What is it now? The, the last four goals they've allowed have been, or pardon me, uh, three of the four tonight, one out of one in Chicago, and two out of three against Nashville have been power play goals against. Yeah, it's not good. You you need a good PK to, to to be successful in the National Hockey League. Five and five Euler's have been pretty good this year. You know, they're they're whatever line they roll out. They as of late, especially they've they've seemed to either play the other team even or have a positive. Like in tonight's game, almost their whole team is plus in tonight's game right. in a game that they lose. So they've got to figure out what's going on in the PK. And tonight, for me. It was not getting in shooting lanes. Uh, the the Minnesota Wild had a game plan. The game plan was puck to the point, crash the net, put pucks on net. And time and time again, that and the defensemen on a power play, their one job is to get it by the first guy. That's their only job. Get it by the first guy. That allows you to fight in front of the net for the puck. And they did over and over and over again. So the Oilers have somehow got to find a way to get them get in the shooting lanes and not let those pucks get through. All right, let's see what Oilers head coach Todd McClellan thinks. His comments for GCL Diesel. Genuine diesel parts at great prices. GCLDiesel.com. Uh, Todd, obviously the special teams were the story tonight. Yeah, it's... This didn't, you know, you, you haven't... Your power play has been pretty good, but wasn't good tonight, and then your special your penalty killing was not good. This is the easiest question to answer because it's so obvious. Um, you give up three on the three for three on the the penalty killing. You don't score in the power play. You're not winning. And the, we could play that game a hundred times and uh, do the same thing over and over again, and you're not winning. So it's the easiest answer I can give you. Todd, was there was there a common theme with the power play? Uh, well, we we weren't sharp. Um, the number of passes that we. You know, they were either two feet too far in front, they were in our skates, we turned pucks up and, and um, just not sharp at all. And they're a good penalty kill group. Uh, they've had good numbers and they, uh, they do a good job and you have to be sharp to beat them. And we certainly needed our power play, especially in the second period where the game was kind of, um, you know, in limbo or perhaps we had the lead, just, you know, put a nail in the coffin and then try and drive it home in the third and we didn't get it. So it was a disappointing night from that perspective. Five on five, you had a lot of the possession control, no finish. Was that just the, the reason for you switching up the first and third lines just to try to get a spark? Yeah, a little bit. Um, you know, try and find something in the third period, uh, you know, somebody to finish, somebody to capitalize on some chances. Um, you know, I thought in, on Connor's line they, uh, they moved the puck around and stuff, but there wasn't always somebody in and around the paint. We thought Drake maybe, maybe would go do some of that. Uh, but hey, we can talk about flipping lines and everything around. There's power play units and penalty kill units that, that didn't get it done tonight. Speaking of your power play, Todd, you mentioned the passes were off a little bit. Uh, you've had <coughs> front of the net. Do you need him to to spend more time in front of the goalie's eyes? He seems to be just like he's there, but then when the shot comes, it's almost like the, his stick's in front, but not necessarily his big frame. You're talking net front? Yeah, on, on the power play, yeah. Yeah, yeah and this particular player? I... Lucic. Okay. Yeah. 
Well, anybody that ends up in that situation, we talk about being a, a poor goaltender. Uh, basically, that's the position you're playing, and you're not very good at it, so let the pucks go by. And you don't see many goaltenders open up as the shot's coming and, and uh, you know, try and swing at it. So we've got to work on it. We've got to get better. There's been some real good examples of those types of players in the league. Um, I watched Thomas Holmstrom. There's not a better guy that does it that way. And uh, we certainly have to get better in that area. Um, we could see on their second goal what a, a seeing-eye shot can do when it gets all the way to the net. So we can do a better job in that area, certainly. All right, that's Oilers head coach Todd McClellan. So clearly disappointed with the special teams tonight as the Oilers lose 4-3 to uh, the Minnesota Wild. Their three-game winning streak comes to an end. The Oilers have not won four in a row since the four games right before Christmas last season. Uh, unable to uh, stretch it to four today. They have had two three-game winning streaks this season. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, you can get us at 780-496-0063. We have James standing by. Hey, James, welcome to the show. Hey, guys, just one point, and I'll let you talk. Um, aside from the special teams, I thought that uh, Yamamoto, McDavid, and Nuge actually had a pretty good start. Uh, we're creating some chance. Why is Todd McClellan changing the line so quick? And I just don't see the benefit of bringing Kajula up to the first line. Well, he actually was asked that question today in the interview afterwards, and he said that he felt that they were moving the puck well, the first line, but didn't seem like they had a lot of bodies around the blue paint, and they felt that maybe Kajula could add that spark and get in around the blue paint. Um, I, I agree, they looked good early, and they've looked good uh, most of the time they've been together, but the production hasn't been as high as they wanted. And he was just looking for a little spark. So uh, you see that all the time when a, a coach feels that uh, maybe something's gone a little stale. They're going to try and find something to spark it. 4-3, the Wild beat the Oilers. A reminder that whenever the Oilers score five or more in a game, which they've done three times this season, you can go to the Oilers page on 630Ched.com, print up a coupon for a free appetizer to Japanese Village, three locations in Edmonton, downtown, south side, and uh, north side. People can submit questions to us here on Coasters in Studio 99. Rob, uh, Curtis says, what do you think of Camp Talbot's save percentage this evening? Well... I mean, he needed to make one more safe. <laughs> so it doesn't matter what the percentage was. Uh, he needed one more stop. Staylock was was very good for the Wild. Uh, maybe some similarity, at least to the game last Tuesday against Pittsburgh, where the Oilers outshot the opponent. And, you know, I wouldn't say Talbot let in a lot of soft goals. I mean, three on the power play. But Staylock held the Wild in there, especially in the first period. Oh, I he, thought when the Oilers, you know, had most of the play and, you know, could have extended, could have been up one or two after the first and said it's tied 1-1. Well, you and I have talked about it many times. If you see one team dominate a period and they aren't rewarded from it, they seem to come back to earth for the rest of the game and the other team builds off of it and that's what happened tonight the the Oilers had 22 shots on net and probably five or six other great scoring chances that didn't count as shots and it was a tie game and they're going into the dressing room feeling frustrated the Wild are going in the dressing room thinking you know what we just had our worst period in a long time and here we are tied so the, the Wild got better as the game went on and the Oilers lagged a little bit uh, as for Talbot I mean I you do you still have Kelly Rudy on the show every once in a while? Yep. Well, he he'd be one to ask on that game-winning goal. You know what what the thought is on that one? Uh, to me, it's it's a shot I I would never take, 
I think that is a, a horrible angle to shoot. But two players tonight tried that exact same shot. Granlin scored and Zucker did the exact same shot and went off the crossbar and out. Uh, I don't know if that's something someone has seen. I mean, there's, on Talbot, there, there's absolutely zero room. Uh, there's no margin for error, yet two players tried that exact same shot tonight. So that's maybe something to ask a goalie or a goalie coach. Uh, to me, Talbot was okay, but the guy on the other end was better. Well, I, I know Rudy and I talked about it last year because Talbot got beat over the shoulder on shots from, from farther mm -hmm. out last year that, that really shouldn't have gone in. And I, when I watched the replay, and I know Kelly said, I mean, he didn't like it. That's not how, how he played in his era. But And what we've seen from Talbot, I mean, he, he likes to push off with the legs, and I think he's getting ready to, to push off because he's expecting the pass, and Granlin makes a perfect shot. And I, I know from talking to Kelly uh, last year and a couple other goalies about Talbot's style, you know, that he, te he tends to like going down and you know then he's good laterally with his legs along the ice and Granlin was able to pick the hole there so yeah I mean ideally you like him standing up but I think not just Talbot but goalies in that position they're also getting ready to move across yeah. and then they figure I mean, maybe it's a dangerous game to play, but they often figure that guy's not going to make that shot from that angle. Well, A, it's an incredibly tough shot. B, most guys aren't going to do it and have, or have the skill to, to pull it off. But yeah, it, it was a, a game that certainly the Oilers feel that if they there's one or two plays they could have back, they would have, a, have two points at the end of the night. But it shows you in this league that if you don't capitalize and you don't bring your A game, you can lose to anyone. The Minnesota Wild are having a nice start to the season. They are a solid team, solid back end. Uh, they got two lines that can score, and they, they came in and played a, a good road game and got the two points that they, did, they desperately needed after losing to Vancouver last night. We'll have more comments from both dressing rooms, more from you as well. If you're on hold, stay there at 780-496-0063. Rob Brown, Reed Wilkins, live in Studio 99. Oilers Hockey presented by Osmond Auction. You're listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Austin Auction. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. 630 chair. Strom wins the draw cleanly. And it's Larson a drop-off to on The puck stays in, though. Here's a centering pass. Wrist shot. What a save made by Talbot. A slight move. Kind of a wax-on, wax-off maneuver against Jason Zucker. Wow, a Karate Kid reference from Jack Michaels. That just made my night. That was the save of the game from Jiffy Lube, keeping you moving to and from the game. JiffyLubeService.ca. Talbot, 24 saves, but at the other end, Alex Stalock, 34, and the Minnesota Wild powered by three power play goals. Edgley Edmonton Oilers, 4-3. Grandlin got the game winner at 14-12 of the third period. The Oilers could not tie it up late. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for tuning in. You can get us at 780-496-0063. We have Rocket standing by. Good evening, Rocket. Good evening, boys. How are you doing? Good. I just wanted to talk to you about uh, uh, chemistry and, and, and what that means. I had a coach in 1981. His name was Tom McCaskill in lacrosse. His wife, Sheila, worked for the Edmonton Oilers for like 35 years or something. And uh, he developed a team where he had chemistry with guys that <clears throat> played for the same team every year. Nobody got traded. It was a nucleus of about seven or eight guys. 
and they he developed an incredible chemistry. We used to go to the Nationals all the time and get our asses kicked by, you know, BC and Ontario and lacrosse because they were always the biggest and Alberta was the smallest. So um, what do you do with chemistry on a team and what do you do with guys like Pooley-Yarby and, and, like, how do you develop them correctly so as not to lose them like we did with, you know, other first-round picks. I'm really disappointed in, in, in how we cannot keep these first-round picks and develop them correctly so that they're and – then, and then have the city give up on them. Okay. It's, Wait, it's what, I think chemistry and de- – I, 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 what's the connection here between chemistry and development? Like I think to me, to me, those are separate things, Rocket. You have to keep players around long enough and not give up on them to be able to develop that chemistry. Okay, wh- it didn't wh- come overnight. what player are you talking about, though? O- it didn't come overnight with with any team that I played on. We okay, always but- went through our ups and downs. Okay, and hang on, Rocket. Played. Hang on, hang on. Okay, wh- which player are you talking about? Which players did the Oilers give up on that didn't have a chance to get chemistry? Pugliari. Okay, no, but you said before, like, this is just one player. This is, and they haven't given up on Pugliarv. He's just sat out the last few games. What player before that? Uh, just not, not that they gave up on them, but just development-wise. Okay, which, which one, though? Name, give and me a player. Yakupov, for example. Yeah, Yakupov, like, Yakupov he, had nothing, he, Yakupov he had he not nothing spend, to do with, it had nothing to do with he, development with Yakupov. Did he enough time in the, in the minors? Like, Yakupov is just... Is going to the minors? This is the same thing. This no, is no, it's not. Yakupov... We're talking about Yakupov... Yeah, but Yakupov's not very Yakupov good. Yakupov was a big, a big thing for Edmonton back in the day. He, and he it was, didn't work out. Now everybody's forgot about it. Be, because you, we're still in the same boat with Pugliarvi now. What are we no, doing okay, with stop, him stop, now? stop, 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 Rocket. Yakupov was not very good. That has nothing to do with development. He's not very good. Well, he That's was enough that all the scouts thought he was. They made a mistake. He, they made a mistake on him. He, so he's playing in the KHL. On too? No, no, I don't think not yet. I mean, it, it's it's he's three years into his career. He's sat out a few games because he hasn't learned. Which is my point. What do we do with him now so that well, he's not another Yakupov? Well, first of all, he's he's good. He, Yakupov is not a good hockey player. And Liney isn't exactly lighting it up either. Patrick Liney. Yeah, same, same, same situation. They were no. one after the other. What? Both. Okay, you're okay. saying Patrick Liney hasn't been good? Patrick Liney is one of the top players in the National Hockey League. Not this year. Well, it's 10 games into a season. This is a guy that's going to be a yeah, Rocket Richard trophy All right, guy. We're going we're gonna to move on, guys. Thanks, Rocket. We appreciate it. 780-496-0063. Wild beat the Edmonton Oilers 4-3. They are coached by Bruce Boudreaux. His comments for BDO, first call, debt solutions, bankruptcies, and consumer proposals, license insolvency trustees. Second of back-to-backs tonight. Well, yeah, I mean... Um, I thought, especially in the third period, that uh, we did a lot of willing and, you know, I mean, uh, sacrificed and and did, you know, and uh, Alex was really good, I think, at handling the puck when they were getting it deep. He, he helped us an awful lot. So uh, it was, a, it was a, a gutsy win, I thought. 
You said uh, this morning that your your glass half empty with the power play. A little different now. It's full. It's just I can't have another drink. <laughs> it was really good tonight, and it started to. I think that's five goals in the last three games. So I mean, um, it's starting to come along. So that's that's a really positive sign. Stahl made it sound like uh, the tweak to put him in the middle just kind of happened by happenstance, and then they talked to Dean about it after he scored the goal a couple games ago. Is that pretty fair? Okay. That's no, not true. No, um, no that's uh, that's pretty well. It, it, Granny had suggested it. Okay. So uh, um, we were holding off, and then when we were having um, not some non-success, then we said, let's let's change this thing. Mm-hmm. So we did, and it worked out. You mentioned now, but along with the penalty kills, some key moments in this game, the four minutes in a row in the second period, that really made a difference. What did you see? Well, our penalty killing has been really good all year. I mean, uh, we're using uh, eight different players, and we could have used a ninth because, I mean, Eck didn't kill that much early on, and he's a really good penalty killer. So it's it's uh, these guys uh, that are penalty killing, I mean, uh, they'll block shots, they sacrifice, they do the right things, and uh, when you're doing that, and Bob's doing a good job of, of pre-scouting everything, so it's working out. Nino's best game in a while? Yeah, so I was really happy. For, I was hoping he'd score an empty netter, but he gets to assist. The, the other things will come because he worked hard. Bruce, when Mikhail Graham is playing the way he is, I mean, what can you say about his dynamics as an offensive catalyst and him leading the charge during this nine-game nine You know, I mean, uh, I think if we were in another, another city, whether it be a Canadian city or, uh, um, you know, <coughs> excuse me, a high-profile city, that everybody would know how good this guy is. But he is our catalyst, and um, that's why he plays the most and why he's usually our leading scorer because when you need something done, he's he's the guy to, that you want to have to have the puck was this the response you were looking for from the top six yeah i think so like i mean i i think it was the response we were looking from everybody i mean i thought yesterday was a game that you know uh, we could have won we didn't um i don't know if we didn't take it seriously enough or it was the first game of the road trip or whatever but i mean they were determined tonight against a, a rested team that's was the hottest team in the league so it was good effort to go up against McDavid and see how easily he could turn a scoring chance out of nothing. Uh, the people of Edmonton are really lucky for the next 15 to 20 years. Man, that guy scares the crap out of you every time he steps on the ice. So, I mean, he's he's one heck of a hockey player. All right, that's wild coach Bruce Boudreaux. High praise for Connor McDavid, who scored a great goal tonight, but not enough for the Oilers as they lose 4-3 to the Wild. We'll check the scoreboard. For Edmonton Trailer, head to edmontontrailer.com. Drive away with your newer used trailer. In the third, the Coyotes lead the Senators 5-1. Also late in the third, Flyers up 2-1 on the Ducks. Early third period, Rangers lead the Sharks 2-1. The Flames tie it late on a goal by Kachuk. Goudreau wins it in overtime. 2-1, Flames take it in Buffalo. Islanders shoot down the Penguins 6-3. Bruins get a 3-2 road win against Carolina. Detroit 5-3 in Columbus. Dallas 4-1 in Montreal. The Lightning ring up the Devils 8-3. Predators knock off the Golden Knights 4-1. All right, 780-496-0063. We'll get to Jordan after the news break. You'll also hear from Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid. We're live in Studio 99. Oilers Hockey presented by Osmond Auction. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio 630 Chat. The Oilers 
three-game winning streak is over. The Minnesota Wild beating the Oilers 4-3 tonight. The Oilers led by a goal three times. The Wild tied it every time, 3-3 after two. They get a late power play goal from Michael Grandland, and 4-3 is the final damage. Boudreaux referenced the goal by McDavid, 4-10 into the second period. That made it 2-1 for the Oilers. A spectacular goal by McDavid, his ninth of the season, at the end of a shift where he was on the ice for a minute 19. And going against one of the best defensemen in the National Hockey League, Suter. And Suter got caught kind of half um, flat-footed, and, and Connor McDavid read that, read the situation, and just put on the burners. And, I mean, Suter had absolutely no chance. And then because of the speed that McDavid has going across the crease, the goalie cheats, doesn't want to get beat wide side. And we've seen Connor go all the way around the goalie and put it in the far side. He starts to cheat a bit, and then it's just a little flip shot up. And the goalie's momentum takes him away from the spot that Connor put the puck. Bar down, beautiful goal. Leon Dreisaitl had a goal and an assist tonight. His comments... For GCL Diesel, genuine diesel parts at great prices, gcldiesel.com. Uh, yeah, um, I think that 5-on-5, five five, we were the better team um, throughout the game. We created more, I thought, and uh, it was a pretty solid game, 5-on-5. Five five. Um, you know, I think the special teams lost us the game tonight. Uh, it's really simple as that. So, um, you know, it's something that, um, you know, we have to work on a little bit. Your, your power play has been going good for you guys this year. What maybe wasn't there tonight? I think just the finish. Um, you know, I think we had our chances. I think we, um, you know, there's definitely chances for two or three goals. Um, we just we just couldn't um, couldn't set that final that final punch. So, um, you know, something that uh, we have to do. But this is a game you feel kind of got away on you in a lot of ways, or? Uh, yeah. I mean, I thought we were in it until obviously that that fourth goal, or pretty much the whole game. Um, you know, obviously the uh, the special teams, uh, you know, killed us a little bit tonight. All right, well, yeah, that's the big story this evening. Dreisaitl getting his seventh goal of the season tonight. Now, actually, that was seven seconds after a power play expired. So uh, the Oilers did keep up some pressure after having that man advantage in the first period. Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins, and McDavid were still on the ice together because the power play unit, they'd changed, Lucic had gone off for a second defenseman, but those three forwards were still on the ice. Yeah, and it was a great play, all three of them keeping the play alive. McDavid finding cleft bomb for the, from the point, and what you liked about that was Nugent Hopkins going to the front of the net. He went for the tip, wasn't able to get that, but uh, just outworked the defender that was on him, and, and he knew exactly where Dreisaitl was supposed to be, and he just poked the puck got it just far enough and dry settle had no no problem putting it into an empty net so uh, it was a nice play it wasn't a power play goal in the stats but it certainly was a man advantage when the Oilers had the goal all right seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three we will welcome Jordan to the show Jordan what's on your mind hey guys uh, yeah not too worried about the loss per se as dry was saying like uh, it seems like uh, we carried most of the game um, but just for context, um, our, our PK was actually doing better towards the end of last season, was it not? Actually, you know what, uh, Jordan? After February 1st last season, the last third of the year, the Oilers had the second best penalty killing in the NHL. Not just on home ice, overall in the NHL. It, it improved a lot the last third of the season. Not enough to pull it out of the bottom six or seven where it finished because it was so bad, especially on at home. Yeah, right, that sounds right. So I guess my confusion, I guess maybe you can talk about this, Rod, a little bit. Like, 
uh, obviously luck, you know, PDO is a huge factor in hockey and in special teams especially. That sounds like I, you know, I caught the end of the game there. There was a bunch of chances that could have tied it up late. Uh, but as far as the PK goes, is it just pure work ethic and hustle? Uh, or other than personnel and assignments and stuff, what, what do these coaches, these new coaches have in their toolbox to turn this around before it becomes a problem again? Well, it's a good question because it actually has become a bit of a problem. As, as we've seen as of late, even though the Oilers are getting some wins in these games, their penalty killing hasn't been as good as it was early in the season. Uh, most times, penalty killing is all about hard work. It's all about hard work, discipline, and sacrifice. you, you got to outwork the power play guys. At the end of a power play penalty kill, the power play guys go back, they're barely breathing. The penalty killers can barely get it to the bench because it's that much harder to work. Uh, the discipline part, knowing your roots, going the right spots, getting your stick in the right area, getting in the shooting lanes, and then the sacrifice is blocking shots. The, when most power plays they, they set up they've got one or two plays they want to play and they got a big shot coming from somewhere whether it be a one-timer from the side or the shot from the the top and that's where everything comes off off of either a tip or a rebound and you got to be in those shooting lanes you got to be willing to block the shot and if you're not willing to block the shot well you're just giving a huge advantage to the power play and tonight the one thing that we saw a lot of shots got through Suter, time and time again it wasn't big shots it wasn't slap shots he was just putting wrist shots on net and if there's a crowd in front of the net, there's a deflection, there's a bounce, the puck's going to go to someone and they're going to be able to put it in the net. And two of the plays that we saw, one was a tip by Stahl, and the other one, I believe it was Parise, or was the one got the first goal where he hit him yeah. in front. So he's in front of the net. Again, not a hard shot, but he was in front of the net. He hits him and then he goes around the goaltender. So uh, that is exactly how we saw their thought process tonight for Minnesota was get pucks on net. The Oilers have to do a much better job of getting in shooting lanes, and that's something has got to be addressed. You can also text 63630. Uh, this texter says, would you put Chase on in for Lucic on the first unit power play? Uh, I, I would not be adverse to that. I, I like what Chase on does when he goes to the front of the net. We saw him score a goal tonight where he was right in the eyes of the goaltender. And then, was it last game of the game before, he was right in the eyes of the goaltender. He didn't get a point on it, but the, the, the screen was what allowed the puck to get in. The Oilers, when they shoot from the back end, Clefbaum's got a good shot. It's not a Sheldon Surrey shot, but he's got a good shot. But goalies in the National Hockey League, if they can see his shot, they are going to stop it. The only way that you are going to score from the back end normally is by taking away the goalie's eyes. Right now, Alex Chason is the best on the Oilers of taking away the goalie's eyes. Couple comments on the text line about faceoffs tonight. The Oilers actually had a slight advantage in faceoffs, 53%, 34-30. Uh, Drysaitel won 14 out of his 25 faceoffs. Miku Koivu with a rare off night for the Wild. He won nine out of 20, uh, nine out of 23. But special teams faceoffs uh, again. I mean, the Wild winning shorthanded, be able to clear it right away and uh, winning, uh, you know, on the power play that allowed them to get the attack going right away. Well, the one thing is we have these sheets in front of us that tell us exactly what we need to know. The Minnesota Wild, on their power play today, were 3-for-3 three three in faceoffs. All three power plays they had, they won the faceoff, and they scored three goals. So right there shows you, I mean, you got to win faceoff in big situations, and, and they did. The, the Oilers were really good even strength in faceoffs, 
But on the specialty teams, they were only 40% on their power play taking draws, and they were 0% when they were shorthanded. So, yes, the Oilers were better than Minnesota percentage-wise in face-offs, but in the big ones, the really important ones, the Minnesota Wilds seem to win those more. All right, you can get us at 780-496-0063. Michael Grandlin, a beauty of a shot to win it for the Wild. His comments for BDO First Call Debt Solutions, Bankruptcies and Consumer Proposals, Licensed Insolvency Trustees. I don't know what happened. There was a lot of room to just to walk in, and uh, I saw a whole, uh, uh, hole there, and uh, she tried to uh, go for it, and uh, uh, luckily it went in. How quickly things can change. I think you guys wanted more from the power play last night, and now it's three for three, and probably a reason why you win this game. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, that's great, obviously, yeah, but um, that's a, you know, there's, there was a lot of cute things tonight with power play, and uh, we, can, we can do a lot of, lot of better job with that but I mean you know sometimes those bucks are just going in you know a uh, couple of bounces and uh, you know uh, they're going but we just need to keep going keep shooting and uh, keep getting towards those chances did you guys feel like the chances were there in past games and, and you just weren't getting the puck luck or did something change tonight uh, well there, I think there was uh, a lot of chances actually uh, last night's game too but you know uh, sometimes those those some shots are going in and um, and uh, obviously we we've done a couple of tweaks there a couple of, a couple of games ago so uh, but it's been pretty good the best you've felt in a while personally how the puck just following you around um yeah i mean feels like pucks are going in i mean i, I don't know uh i think there's a lot of a lot of things uh i can still do better and there there is i'm but you know uh bucks are finding their uh, their way in and uh i'll take it <laughs> Three. Scott Johnson working the wild dressing room. Grandlin on fire lately. He has a nine-game point streak, 12 points during that run, and he gets the game winner tonight. The wild edge the Edmonton Oilers 4-3. You will still hear from Connor McDavid. We're going to finish the play with Brock. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins, live in Studio 99. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line, Oilers Hockey, presented by Osmond Auction. Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Austin Auction. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. 6.30 chair. The Oilers' three-game winning streak over final tonight at Rogers Place. Minnesota Wild 4, Edmonton Oilers 3, 1-1 after the first, 3-3 after two. And then Grandlin, the only goal in the third. The Wild go 3-for-3 three three on the power play. The Oilers go 0-for-5. We are going to finish the play with Brock, but Brock, first, what's your comment to your question? Hey, guys, how's it going? Doing well. Uh, I was at the game tonight, and... Uh... I, like Rob was saying earlier, sometimes that positional style by Talbot kind of gets them. I think if Costner was in the net for that power play goal, it wouldn't have went in because he probably would have just stood up. And it's kind of disappointing because sometimes you need a you need a big save. And I don't know, I'm just not sold on Talbot. I think I'd play the hot goalie. If, if your goalie's winning, like Crusader used to do, play your hot goalie. Play what's his uh, Costner next game. Yeah, but if we were going by that, then Toskinen wouldn't play the last game because I, I think um, Talbot had been hot as a Yeah, late, I mean, Talbot so. only allowed one in Chicago, only allowed one against Washington, so I, I think he's going to get the, the majority of the starts. We're going to finish the play with you, Brock. If you get this right, you get a one-hour rental at Fast Track Indoor Karting. That's worth a 1000 bucks. Fast Track Indoor Karting. Safe, adrenaline-pumping fun. Fast Track Karting Edmonton.com. 
And now you've got Reeder receiving a pass from Chase on in the corner. It's Drysaddle. One-timer score. What a tip by Chase on in front. Matt Benning took the shot, and Chase on has four in a week's time. All right, Brock, should be pretty straightforward tonight to finish the play. What team did Alex Chason play for last season? Vegas Golden Knights. It was not the Vegas Golden Knights. It was the Washington Capitals. And, of course, he got his Stanley Cup ring from the Capitals when they were in town last Thursday. All right, let's go back down to the Oilers' dressing room. The captain scored a beauty tonight, but not enough as the Oilers lose by a goal. Here is Connor McDavid. Five on five, you guys were, were there tonight. Yeah, the yeah. Five, were... five on five was there. I thought we were the better team. Five on five, but you know, special team cost us. Power play didn't do anything, and they you know, go three for three on the power play. It's uh, it's not good. What did you see with your power play? Maybe what wasn't quite. Yeah, good? you know what? They're a good kill. They have been for many, many years. Um, no, we just weren't sharp. I thought uh, we had a couple dangerous looks. Um, no, we just weren't great on retrievals. We didn't get pucks, pucks back. Um, well, but you're gonna have those nights, and. Um, say about their goaltender, he seemed like he made some bit critical stops in the third period when you needed to for his club. Yeah, he was good. He was good. Uh, you know, both their goalies are good. They're a strong defensive team, and, and uh, you know, I thought we did a good job of generating chances five on five, and um, we just couldn't find a way to, to get one past them. Uh, they had a late one on the power play, and um, yeah. All right, that is Connor McDavid, Brendan Escott working in the Oilers dressing room. Oilers lose 4-3 to the Minnesota Wild. Just quick update of the Edmonton Trailers scoreboard. It's gone final in Arizona. Coyotes pound the Senators 5-1. How about this guy, Pontus Aberg, two more goals for the Ducks. He now has four on the season. However, the Ducks lose to the Flyers 3-2. And now with about five minutes left in the third, Rangers up 3-2 on the Sharks. So uh, Pacific Division tonight, Coyotes win ducks lose sharks are behind flames get the win so oh and the golden knights lost they're down to five six and one on the season and of course the oilers lose to the wild seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three we have jim on the line hello jim hey jim do we have you hello there yeah jim go ahead go ahead jim yeah go ahead you're on Hi there, just uh, calling from Fort St. John, British Columbia, and uh, I love your show, love the Oilers. I just uh, would like to know, guys, your guys' kind of perspective on how we can attract more talent into smaller cities, into this northern community. Into Edmonton or Fort St. John? No, no, into Edmonton. Okay. You're always, you're always, it's kind of like Winnipeg and Edmonton are always kind of the, the lacking of the. Right. Well, I mean, that's a good question. I, I, I know so, some players will say they didn't, they didn't want to play in Canada. They didn't want to play in Edmonton. Um, but in the past few seasons, the Oilers have signed a couple of free agents who were in their free agent class two of the top players in, in the classes. If you look at Lucic and, and Sekera, um, you know, Alex Jason came here on a, on a PTO. He's, he's looking pretty good right now. I, I think for the Oilers and the Jets, if, if you build a better team, and the Jets should have an awesome team this season, 
generally free agents will look there, if, especially if they're later in careers and they want a shot at a first Stanley Cup or another Stanley Cup. Um, but, but I mean, it is, it is a fair point. Sometimes, and it's, it's not necessarily just Edmonton, it's, it's some Canadian markets. Mm-hmm. They, some players won't go to Canada, and that's, you're not going to change that necessarily. No, I, I think the, the biggest thing is you got to have a winning organization. The best free agents. You don't see the top guys in the, in the National Hockey League when they go to free agency sign with bad hockey clubs. So you got to be a good team, and then you got to sell your franchise. I mean, right now, the others are going to sell the new arena, and they're going to sell your playing with Connor McDavid. And those are two great selling points. Yeah. But, I mean, if, you, if there's the San Jose Sharks and you're the Edmonton Oilers and you're selling both and... I mean, San Jose has some benefits that Edmonton doesn't have. Well, Carlson had a list of teams he could get traded to and not traded to. He, he didn't want to come to Edmonton. No. Nope. Um, but, I mean, you could say, that. Would have, does John Tavares go to Toronto if they're 29th last season and look no. like they're not getting any better? No, they're a winning he, team. Even though he wore Leafs pajamas when he was a kid. So, yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's an interesting point for sure. Wild beat the Oilers 4-3. Back for some final thoughts. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Oilers Hockey presented by Osmond Auction. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Osmond Auction. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio, 630 We are inside Studio 99. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown breaking down an Oilers 4-3 loss to the Minnesota Wild. Of course, you can always get more on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. The Oilers are back at it on Thursday night, taking on the Chicago Blackhawks. They beat the Hawks 2-1 in overtime on Sunday, uh, Rob, now, now coming off a loss, do you anticipate uh, perhaps some lineup changes? Could Bouchard get into his eighth game? Uh, will Puyarvi now maybe get a look and uh, he gets a chance to come back in? I would expect Bouchard in. Uh, I think they're going to make a decision fairly soon, obviously, with, with whether or not they're going to keep him. I don't believe they're going to keep him. I think he'll go back to junior, but I do believe he'll be in. And then Puyarvi, you're going to have to put him in at some point. And and Bob talked about it at the end of the game with Yamamoto, who I think has is, is played well, but with Yamamoto moving down in the lineup today, that kind of, to me, is a bit of a hint that maybe Yamamoto is going to get a, a night off to sit in the stands and, and get a look at what, what's going on in the ice, see where he can make differences or where he, what things he can change, how it could be better. And sometimes young players benefit from being up in the stands. So, yeah, I would imagine both Pugliarvi and Bouchard will be in next game. All right, we're winding her down here in Studio 99. The final score, Minnesota 4, Edmonton 3. Three power play goals for the Wild. Oilers go 0 for 5 with their man advantage. The Edmonton goal scorers tonight, Dreisaitl, Chason, and McDavid. 5.30 face-off show on 6.30, Chet, on Thursday. The game will start at 7. The Oilers will take on the Blackhawks. Thanks to Troy Bowler, our engineer here at Rogers Place. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our producer back at the 6.30, Chet Broadcasting Compound. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line, Oilers Hockey, presented by Osmond Auction. Thanks to everybody for putting us up in Studio 99. We look forward to seeing you here on Thursday night. Rob, have a good evening. You too. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening. Have a good night.
630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.